From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where uh, we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And um, this week we're doing something a little different. 
A little different. A little different. What are we doing? So it is our third anniversary, which is absolutely crazy. We started Three this. Three years. I know. We started this this sucker in what, 2019? 2019. And we have podcasted through a pandemic and moving and me getting engaged and getting cats and all these crazy life changes. And it's really weird to think about the things that have happened in our lives alongside the podcast. Um, and now you're coming to my wedding and like, a couple of weeks, which I'm going to start crying about now. I didn't think that was going to get me to get emotional, but like you're coming to my fucking wedding. Like you're one of my best friends. Sorry. All of a sudden this has been a speech about how much <laughs> I love and you. Like the first time we're meeting in person, I'm just like, it's a lot. Hopefully you still like me. I am very quiet. I the same thing. Person. I was like, I hope Terry likes me. <laughs> you, get to, uh, you get to meet the whole family. You get to really meet me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so this is just going to be kind of a clip show. We're going to bring up some of the funniest, some of the saddest, some of the um, moments from listeners, some of the kind of moving portions of the of the show that we've had over the last three years and cats and spiders and a whole bunch of shit. But titties. Kitties. But before we do T- get titties. to that. Titties. Oh, titties. Yes, titties. Titties and kitties. Make that a hashtag. Um, But before we do get to that, I want to bring us back, like I say, whenever we talk to a guest, I want to take us back to the beginning. And Mary Beth, I don't think you have heard this since we first recorded. I This will be the second time I've heard it because I had to listen to it while I tried to re-edit our first episode. But this was our very first episode. Hello, Internet, and welcome to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And each week, oh we will have a special guest that will bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a kid. This week, the special guest is us. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's really wild that we are here, Mary, because um, and for me, my whole thing kind of started on a lark. <laughs> I was having like a, a tweet conversation, a, a tweet versation. No, 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 no. That, that's silly. That's so fucking cringe. We were talking about movies that scared us um, with a bunch of people, and I brought up a movie that we're going to be talking about tonight. And it, then it just hit me that it'd make kind of an interesting podcast, and I are, retweeted it and. Everyone started coming out of the woodwork, and then you came out. And I get this little tweet that said, you've been planning to do this for, like, what, two years? Two or three years, yeah. I had the idea, and I just wanted to interview, like, family members. This is before I was really active on Twitter. And so this was a podcast that I'd kind of started really planning and thinking about. And then just, you know, planning a podcast by yourself is really hard. It's hard mm-hmm. to have the kind of the discipline and have someone to motivate you to do it. It's just yourself. So I never got around to doing it. But when I saw you tweet that, I thought, all right, um, fate, we have to do this. Yeah, um, it's like kismet. I know, exactly. And here we are, recording our first episode. And here we are, three years later. Hopefully better. I, I, I'm going to say yeah. We edit in audacity now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, those first, those first few episodes. The editing. I take I take comfort in the fact that in every podcast, when I start listening from the beginning, I everyone sounds kind of bad unless they're like mm-hmm. a professional studio and then mm-hmm. they don't. They're annoying. <laughs> but I feel like like last podcast on the left even had like shitty audio for a while. So it's just proof that we grew. 
Hell and yeah. And figure out how to edit audio. <laughs> I got better microphones. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, man. Uh, but so also one of the things that, that we did is that a lot of people came out and was talking about like episodes that uh, or moments that like they loved, but it was kind of hard to find like a clip. It was just like the episode. So we had a, yes. a few moments off the top that were just like some, I think, big moments for us, starting off with recording with Rob Sheridan on my birthday when I was sick. I know. Like, that was one of the first ones I was like, we have to talk about that because I remember you were just like, so fucking excited that he said he'd be on the podcast, but he, we all know how much you fucking love Nine Inch Nails. So mm-hmm. it was so neat to talk to him and you got to pick his brain about Nine Inch Nails, which was really cool. Uh, I got a nerd out for so long. It was so great. He was, yeah, that, was a, that was a really cool moment. Particularly for you. I, it was really cool for me, but I did not have the same relationship. To, no. And Rob is now a friend. On the yes, internet, he's a wonderful which is person. so cool. I love him and his wife. They're both great. And in like a similar, in a similar vein of that, because I mean, like this podcast has let us meet some of our like heroes, I guess, or people that we really, really respect and love in the industry. And one of the things that also like really got me excited, one of the episodes that like, well, there's two on here, but I think one of the ones that like was really proud was getting Brandon Cronenberg on the podcast. Talk about Possessor. Like that was one of our first big gets and it was like a shorter episode and a little bit rushed but at the same time it was like we got to fucking talk to brandon cronenberg and it was just like, like so what? fucking neat to be able to have a guest like that and i think it just like has given a lot of legitimacy to us as interviewers and as podcast hosts because mm-hmm. i get I, I get some like you know everyone has i feel like everyone has a podcast now and i'm like well I just, at least I, I want our podcast to feel different and unique and I want us to like stand out, and then I but and we do, and I just get proud of the people we've talked to, and it's just really cool. And that was yeah. one of those moments where I was like, "Fuck yeah, we're doing this thing." And then a little bit later, we we talked to two filmmakers that inspire me, and I think they inspire you too, Justin <laughs> Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Uh, that felt like kind of a milestone in in a way, like between that and Brandon, like just two big moments that really jumped out at me the talking to that well and they brought like that they brought the episode from x-files home which is one of mm. my favorites and like they were the sweetest dudes and it's like i've been watching their stuff since 20 like 2014 2013 and to be able to talk to them while they're going on this like crazy upward trajectory with their careers it's just it was so fucking cool to get to talk yeah. to them and get to like just pick their brains. They're also really gen- like I love it when they're just like, oh yeah, we can keep recording. Who cares? Like people don't care about. Yeah, we were trying to be very like, uh, uh, you know, conscientious about their time because they were on like a press day, and they're so we we're like we're, we're ending a, a bit early. Like, well, let's just keep talking. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, that's awesome. Just so <laughs> like, it nice. Felt great. And also, just as a fun little exclusive tidbit for the podcast, one of our readings at our wedding is going to be from spring. So. Benson and Moorhead have been like kind of a, a through line through me and Steve's relationship too, because Spring was one of the first movies like we watched together. And That's amazing. we've watched Yeah, so it's kind of cool and yeah, so That's so cool. Yeah. And then an- we got another really cool guest, Lady Demetrask herself. Like what? That was wild. Guys, a lot happens when you just shoot your shot in the DMs. <laughs> Yeah, Not seriously. Time, but it's surprisingly effective in terms of getting people to guest on your podcast. <laughs> Especially uh, when they're really nice people. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
Uh, that was a great moment. She was delightful. She was just delightful. Absolutely delightful. Like, so I love when I meet people who play these, like, commanding characters and they're just total, mm. like, silly dorks when you meet them in person. She was such a goofball. Like, it's the best. Like, you mm-hmm. play this, like, fucking giant sexy vampire lady and then you're just like a silly lady who just like is a nerd and likes theater and it just big, yeah. it just brings my heart so much joy so I, I i interviewed the guy who put art the clown too and i was like oh you're a normal person like i was full-on expe- <laughs> i don't know what i was expecting but i was not expecting a nerd so it's always so cool to get to talk to those people that you have like a certain vibe about and then you meet them and like oh yeah you are just a normal person like you're just a human being <laughs> just a human being yeah We've had such cool uh, guests. We wow. have. We have. Wow. We wanted to get those out there because, like, it's it was hard to just find a moment from those to, like, represent that episode. It was just – it felt really cool to be able to talk to them. Yeah. But now we're going to move into um, more clips, and we're going to start off with some moments that were provided by lovely listeners out there. Uh <laughs> Before we oh, – sorry. Before we do get to clips, we do have a few that are just – regular out there so we have like all of last week's little cuts i don't know if you all have listened to it yet where everything that could go wrong seemed to go wrong it got worse after we stopped recording yeah for me for me specifically uh tony i still hate y'all putting that sound in you're welcome (laughs) the sound of squelching (laughs) uh I think we'll save uh, the moment that happened after recording for Little Cuts. Yeah, so if you want a plug for Little Cuts, uh, I will share with you what happened after last week's recording on Little Cuts, guys. And it, it involves ghosts, so get get ready. So get excited Spooky for that. Times. But we have so much going on in this episode that I feel we like do. that would just elongate. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so the other thing that, uh, that Tony brought up was uh, Mary Beth talking about Ethel Kane, which put her on my radar, too. One, love Ethel Kane forever, but two, love the reaction. Like, my favorite part about getting peeps talking about Ethel Kane, besides having people listen to Ethel Kane, is the people's reactions to when I tell them what it is, and they're like, what? Uh-huh. And it's great. And To answer I'm- you, Tony, I loved Ethel Kane. I have, I've been, I've listened to it on and off since uh, it was introduced, and I love her album. Getting eaten by my boyfriend after being in the freezer. Yeehaw! <laughs> anyway, um. <laughs> yeah, seeing her live was quite a fucking event. Anywho. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. And- we have to okay, and then we have to we have to talk about our scarred for life drinking game that we need mm-hmm. to like make an official graphic for because I feel mm. like at this point we have enough and I think it's and we should one day do a stream where we watch a movie and actually do it. Um but we always do the drinking game where whenever someone says hereditary or terrified when they um <laughs> or raise Catholic. <laughs> the, or, uh-huh. or the, tri- the whole the holy trinity of scarred for life. Hereditary, terrified, and <laughs> raised Catholic. <laughs> That's a good merch idea. <laughs> it really is. That is great. And then we also have our moments of our drinking games where the cats make their presence known, mm-hmm. um, of course. And surprise spiders. Terry's surprise favorite. spiders. My least favorite. <laughs> but this does lead us into three of our first clips. So we're going to start off with um, when kitties attack. <laughs> and until next time. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> that 
Rachel always has to have the last she word. She had the last laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, it was so that <laughs> I love her. She's such a menace to society. She is, but I believe this is the first time the doorstopper was heard on the podcast. I believe. Not positive, but I swear to God. What just happened? The cat just hit the little doorstopper. <laughs> I and thought she now... was sleeping. No, it's the other one. Oh. <laughs> 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 Damn cats. The Lord is testing me. Uh. <laughs> the Lord is testing me. The Lord is I I just oh man, I remember when I got her and she was not terrible on podcasting and then she became more of a creature became of, a of curiosity and became a menace. And now she's two and a half. What? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you just got her, Mary. Beth. What I think are you talking I, about? I thought I just got her. Yeah, she's she's over two and a half years old. Jesus, she's grown Help. up with the podcast. That's wild. Baby, that's wild. Hell, <laughs> that's worse than when my friends' kids age. It is though. It is <laughs> really. Worse. I can't believe two and a half years. Oh my god. Oh my god. Did everyone see I got necklaces of my cat's names, by the way? Okay, just making sure everyone knows that Zucchini and Tiramisu have necklaces, and I wear these. I don't even take them off. <laughs> Anywho, I'm crazy. <laughs> we have also had, like, um, a number of times when surprise spiders came up, but I did find this moment in episode 88 with Trevor Henderson, where we were talking about Lucio Fulci's The Beyond, because I, I do think that this encompasses everything yeah. i i will say that i do have a bone to pick with you oh yeah Go and it's the same bone that i've had to pick <laughs> with a number of guests <laughs> what's that and that's where mary beth realizes it's that you picked a movie that has surprise fucking spiders in it <laughs> what a cute laugh trevor has oh Which god i had no idea i'm sorry fuck that scene. okay oh my huge, like, okay, I don't know what happened in that scene because the moment the spiders came out, my eyes are covered. And I will admit this as a 40-year-old man that I did not watch the scene because there were fucking tarantulas. But I could hear them, and the noise they were you. making was absolutely terrifying. It's, it's a really so, good thing you covered your eyes, I gotta say. Yeah, so I was texting Terry, and I was like, how was the tarantula scene for you? He was like, oh, I didn't watch it. You're gonna have to tell me what happened. Seriously. Like, that, that makes a lot of sense because... Yep. Terry, are you ready to hear the description? Are you are you good? I am, Not because really. you know what? I think this is like the second or third time I've seen this movie, and I forget every single time. <laughs> just, just so every time during the <laughs> that there are fucking tranches in, because I think I blocked it out of my mind every single the time. The scene also comes out of nowhere. Like, there's no context it for it. Yes, yeah, like, fucking surprise tarantulas. It's the same there's... thing as we watched uh, Something Wicked This Way comes with Cecil, with Cecil oh, yeah, Baldwin. Yeah. And there's all of a sudden tranches under the bed. Or even a, a, a silly kids movie with that we watched yeah. for Gory Corey that, like, all of a sudden there's a fucking tarantula. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm telling you. Seriously. <laughs> Whenever spiders appear, Terry just hears the Kill Bill sirens. Uh huh. 
yes. Bump. Lights turn red. It's so bizarre. It just happens. I will say also, I did not get any spider decorations for my wedding because I didn't want to scare you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you so much. Anyway. It <laughs> is true friendship. You're right, y'all. Uh. But the next clip we have is um an, actually an, uh, an EL recommendation. Yes, it really is. Which was... Um, a moment that comes up on Twitter, and it was during our chat with Jen Adams about Fright Night, specifically about the sexuality in Fright Night. And um, here, here we go. Well, something, something happens for Terry. Uh-huh. It, what's so weird talking about the scene in the beginning where he uh, he bites the girl in the neck and through the window? I had never seen that scene growing up because my parents had a rule: no sex. So anytime there was going to be nudity on the screen or there was some kind of sexual thing, I had to close my eyes. No titties so bef- for Terry. No titties for Terry. Which, I mean, no titties for Terry. Come on. It, it doesn't really, really just, bother it, me. I was going to say, really just. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm funny. <laughs> I, I have to say that your asides kill me, particularly when I'm editing and I forget because like I'm like in podcasting brain and sometimes they don't necessarily hit right away. But then I'm editing an episode of like. Oh, she funny. <laughs> I'm such an I'm just smart you ass. Are. And I, whenever I edit, I'm like, whenever I edit, I'm like, God damn, I need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but I'm also that way all the time, all forever. It's not it's 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 all the time in my life. But it's fun. I love but, it. Oh, no titties for Terry. No titties for Terry. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, speaking of, of me, though, um, another recommendation was from Tony Kaufman, <laughs> uh, where I was remembering the very first time that I saw the movie uh, The Changeling. This is from episode 125 with Robbie about The Changeling. And uh, we talked about my um, weird religious girlfriend. And this, this is in two parts, because there were two parts that I think kind of tied together a little bit. So, um, I, I mean... This whole episode was absolute fucking madness, chaos. though. Chaos. Okay, so I was in high school, <laughs> and I was dating this girl that would become a religious nut. I think I've mentioned her on the podcast before, where like she found her mom and family found religion to the point that they thought the dinosaur bones were placed there by Satan to confuse people. I put them there. I, I knew that about you, Robbie. I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> This is why we brought you on the podcast. Is it revealed the truth about dinosaurs? Surprise. I forgot about that entirely. (laughs) Yeah, so her family ended up being nuts. But, like, as a little closeted queer boy in the 90s, it was good to have a girlfriend to deflect these ideas. Uh, And she was my beard. And I just didn't realize it at the time. (laughs) How does she feel? Did she ever find... Oh, I have not talked to her since then. Okay, cool. I was like, I wonder if she ever no, found out I, if you were out. Okay. The moment she started talking in tongues, I was kind of out. <laughs> that was so hot. <laughs> it really wasn't. Robbie puts in Grindr profile and must speak in tongues. <laughs> I'll do that right now. So that was, that was the first clip. <laughs> I, I've never been baptized, but it just reminded like, I just had this again. You've never been baptized? My God, you're doomed. <laughs> well, I, you're missing out. It's a wild time. <laughs> when I was baptized, I was rolling. <laughs> so fun. 
I would, wild. What it just reminded me of again is um my girlfriend trying to save me. Oh. <laughs> oh. I just had like a strong like flash of that of her trying to save my eternal soul. Was it like in Carrie? Eve was weak. Did she, did she say Eve was weak to you? She did not. She did not say that. My mom was like, Adam for Adam, Adam for Adam. See their dirty pillows. <laughs> Wait, did you ever kiss her? Like, did your lips make contact at any point in this relationship? I do not think so. I do not remember because wow. I think, okay. I think when she broke up with me, she told me that I was not affectionate with her. And I'm like, <laughs> and you were like, oh no, don't know why. <laughs> My first girlfriend broke up with me for the same reason. I wouldn't even sit next to her on the school bus. <laughs> I think I was pretty much annoyed that she was, like, wanting to hold my hand and everything. And I'm like, can't we just same. say that we're boyfriend-girlfriend and just be done with it? Like, what is all of this? I, I just, oh, my God. I, like, memories are flooding back in that I haven't thought about in years because of this. Because I remember going to a dance, and she is like... Rubbing up on me and just like (laughs) smashing herself. And I'm just like, I don't know how to react to this. Where's Jesus now? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Whatever happened to being Jesus between us? Like, no. You're like, I'm dating you because you believe in Jesus and you won't smash your body again. Oh, that was a a weird homecoming. I think it was like three weeks later she broke up with me. You wouldn't smash. I wouldn't smash. of a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> you wouldn't smash. <laughs> I am dying. My stomach hurts so much. So I'm already dying laughing. Already. I fucking for I forgot about that entire like I remembered it, but I forgot the like precise amount of madness that you revealed in that uh-huh. conversation. Like wow. And then we got to revisit it uh with um with Luke. With Revealer and uh, his, yeah. when it Thief in the Night was that what it was called? Yes, yes. What the weird Rapture movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird, weird times. Yeah, guys, this podcast also has been therapeutic for us in some ways. Apparently, where we just unlock memories while talking about movies. I and- had not thought of that in like forever, and then all of a sudden, just the changeling and the discussion just like flooded back to me. It was you're like, oh my god, I dated memory unlocked. Yeah, that was the other moment, Tony. Remember when her mom brought up her uvula? Yes, that was the other moment that I thought about <laughs> including on here. But honestly, really, y'all should just go listen to that episode because it is pure chaos from the very start. I love yeah, you, Robbie. Yeah, we usually have like a pretty an outline mm-hmm. of how things are going to go. Robbie said like, to your outline, it was incredible. Robbie, we love, we you, love you so much. I owe you a call. I do too. <laughs> but then we have... A Joe Lipset recommendation, friend of the pod, Joe Lipset. And this is also an all-timer because this is episode 107 with Lindsay, where we got her to watch Amityville 4, It's About Time, time. for the first time. It's about, God, it's so funny. Um, We got her to revisit a movie that she said ruined her life for the first time since she first saw it. And it was so special and that movie actually ruled. It actually kind of does. <laughs> I, I actually really love that movie. Yeah. Um, 
But there's like, there's so much going on in this episode besides Lindsay's story. We get the Terry's T-square ruler breakdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And then we just talk about like the house. Oh, but I want to hear the clip about going home and discovering the clock because that's the clip that we have from this one. The setup about this is that she watched this movie, was terrified at a slumber party, and then she goes home and this happens. Yeah, and I know you're not going to believe this part, but I went – so my parents that night um, went to like – some, I don't even remember. I should actually have asked them before this, and they'll probably be like, we don't know what you're talking about. But they were at something, and they bought me a new clock. No! And when I came no. home, I swear, when I came home, terrified, like, we got you a new clock, and I didn't, I stared at that fucking thing. No. I put it, um, I kept lifting it up, because I wanted to make sure that it didn't, like, <laughs> drill into the wall, you know? Yeah. Because I, like, didn't trust it. Shut up. I swear. I, like, oh, God. I remember it was, like, a tiny little, like, black, like, it was a it was an analog clock. Is that what they're called? An analog clock that was, like, tiny and black on, like, a swivel. And, uh, yeah, they were like, oh, we got this new clock for you. And I was like, wow, this is the worst. Um, and I was so scared of it. <laughs> but, like, also, my, like, weird angst made me, like, completely unable to tell my parents that I didn't want the clock. I just, like, kept it and kept checking to make sure. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh my god, Lindsay. Yeah, real. So it just absolutely ruined me. I just love the fucking weird stories people bring to our podcast. Uh-huh. I just, we get the best stories. <laughs> and that was one of the best experiences getting her to watch that again and have her tell that bonkers fucking story about her parents buying her a goddamn clock the day after she watched Amityville 4. It's about time. She was so terrified to revisit this one, y'all. Like, the DM. She's like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, she was so nervous. I don't know if I can do this. Like, she was... She was so nervous. She tweeted about it. She's like, oh my god, I'm, like, revisiting this movie for the first time. And it's so funny, because if you see it, it's, like... It's not, like, fun. It's not, like, fully funny, but it's campy and ridiculous. It's campy, and it's not really scary. It's not scary at all. Like, (laughs) Like, I can imagine. I understand being a kid and being scared by it, but, like... As a revisit, this isn't like revisiting the strangers or some shit. No. You know? It's fun as fuck. But yes. <laughs> so those were some of our listener picked moments. So thank you all for sending in all of your suggestions for those. And we have a lot more to go. So if you suggested one that we didn't do, it might be later in the show. So it might be. Keep on listening because now we're moving on to some of our most, well, our most favorite, our, our favorite. Um, kind of powerful, informative, moving moments. Mo- moments that weren't necessarily sad or silly, but moments that really were just like impressive discussions or uh, discussions that have stuck with us the entire time that we've been doing this podcast. Yeah. And so the first one is from episode 31, where we talked with Andrew Scott Bell, who's a composer. And we were not prepared for him to come ready to just whip out some music and play it on the spot. And we have, so this part that we we have, there's like a lot, that episode's really good, but there's this part in the beginning where he's talking about Forrest Gump and the music of Alan Silvestri and his score to this movie. And it's just, it's really touching and it's really cool. So uh, we're going to play that right now. From the Forrest Gump movie, but the last track on the second disc was a suite of themes by Alan Silvestri. And I used to come home and I had moved my CD player from my bedroom to the piano and I would come home from school and press play and just try to learn it by ear. 
And I feel like I'm going to mess it up, but if I could... I still know it to this day. I mean, I messed oh it gosh. up, but I still kind of know it to this no, day. No, yeah. And wow. it's so, it's, I love how much music like makes you feel like just hearing that part of it. I was like, oh my God, Forrest Gump. And then you get emotional thinking about like watching that yeah. movie. Like, I mean, not, not even just for that movie, but for like the experience of watching it with like my family, because my family loves yes. that movie for some reason. But yeah, it's yes. like, the exper- like the emotions it dredges up about memory rather than just the act of watching. Right. Yeah, it did it bring you back to the room with your family? It did. Yeah, that's so special. Yeah, it is. That's really something special. I love about about films and movies. My family really bonded by watching movies together. Cuz I feel like sometimes in America you don't for whatever reason verbalize love the best way and I, you know, I don't want to say that that was my my family because my family was very vocal but sitting together in a room and watching a movie was a way to feel love without saying i love you yeah you know? yeah we've talked about what we've been watching now but what movie have you brought with you today andrew i have brought to talk about E.T., the extraterrestrial. And see what I love about that is just the way that, like, I don't know, music can just bring out such emotions in you. Like, it just, like, brought me back. Well, like you said in the in the episode, Mary Beth, it brought me back to watching Forrest Gump. And it brought me, the moment he started playing the E.T. song, it was just like, I felt like my heart was soaring when we were recording that. It just was, it was so special. It was really, I, I, for, I forgot about how, like, great of a conversation we had about memory, too. He has such a good voice, too. Really he is a voice for podcasting. Yeah. He's a really good voice. It was so soothing. Yeah, that was really cool. And now he's still a friend, which, again, a lot of, like, almost yeah. all the people in our, on our podcast are now, like, friends we talk to. I mean, I know it's hard to say the word friend in the world of the internet, whatever, but people that, like, we've recorded with, like, I met Jonathan Cuartas from um, My Heart Won't Beat Unless You Tell You To at Popcorn Frights, and I was like, oh my god, you're on the podcast, and it's like... It's been really cool to get to know some of these really talented people out there. Get to be able to like call them friends and interact with them a little bit more frequently. So it's cool. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, but then after that, so this is a, this this next clip was it's it's from our episode with April Wolf um, around and we talked to her about her work on Black Christmas, uh, twenty nineteen, and she gave us a little bit of insight into kind of what happened with that project. Very yeah, a little candid. bit about the toxicity. She was very candid in this entire episode, mm-hmm. which we appreciated. And we just took a little a little snippet of that about her talking about Black Christmas. I don't think Universal wanted to release it, I'll be honest. <laughs> because, it, I mean, like, you've seen it. It's a niche movie, and I think it's going to find its audience outside of the theaters and um, away from the marketing. It's It's a thing where I don't think that studio or any studio really knew how to market that movie. Yes. Ah, uh, so yeah. There was... You know, and inherently there are a lot of men at the top who are marketing it and none of them mm-hmm. understood it and didn't know that we were doing something stylistically and tonalist and tonally weird. And it was it was a hard thing to get over the threshold. So the fact that we got the box office that we did for us is a very big victory because we ended up making money. And then this is another part. 
the narrative around the movie was already um, talking about how it was doomed before it began. Oh, so, it was so toxic, the ugh, discussion yeah. about so this movie. Even though we weren't a flop, we were p- painted as a flop. So right. <laughs> I know it's terrible. It's such a bummer. And it's one of, it's just something where if you look at, you know, some of their other films that, that are kind of comparable to our budget and what we were doing, it's like, we actually did quite well. Um, but, uh, we're not really going to get that credit. And it's weird because it's not like anyone was like, um, pissing and moaning necessarily about fantasy Island being remade. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just don't understand it. Mm, I know. Huh, interesting. <laughs> Very sure what's going interesting. On there. <laughs> so weird. So yeah. yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I think about that all the time too. Like all the time. Yeah. And that was just a little part. She was very candid. Like her whole section about Black Christmas and the, and the filmmaking behind it was, uh, it was really insightful. Yes. So give that give that episode a listen if you want to hear more about that. Because again, she doesn't she does not hold back, which is really awesome. No. And I think it's a really a really important look at the way that women are treated, <laughs> women and women's stories are treated, not just by Twitter, but by executives. And, like, people really don't know what to do with women. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 <sighs> um, up next, we have <laughs> episode 95 with Matt Monagall. And, y'all, when he brings out this, there's, like, actual depth to ter- Tremors 2 and why he likes it. I was gobsmacked. So, like, we were, we, Mary Beth and I were both talking about how, like, silly this was. But then it was a very personal film for, for Monagall. And... And I was talking about the history behind the film and the fact that it almost didn't get made because Kevin Bacon became a star and he went off to go do Apollo 13. Um, and then Monaco kind of dug into that fact and its importance to Tremors 2. And, um, well, we'll let you listen to it. To its credit, too, Tremors 2 folded that into its own narrative, right? Like, mm-hmm. the film is about Fred Ward's character kind of, like, being frustrated in the distance because Kevin Bacon's character made it big. Like they both had mm-hmm. this traumatic life-changing experience in the first film and Kevin Bacon's character went on the fame and glory and Fred Ward invested all of it in an emu ranch and lost their <laughs> video games and lost his money. Right. So like the, the fantastic premise of this is the movie within a movie is the idea that like, yeah, like he's, he had an opportunity to make it big. He fucked up, he failed. And so this is a second shot at redemption and the kind of the the bookend of like him finding success on his own terms and kind of getting a little bit rich in the process because of all the graboids they've killed like that adds an extra level of fun if they had basically just been oh it's fred ward again and there's more of the same that would have been probably fine but the idea that they folded into the narrative of the film the idea that i'm sure a lot of fans were thinking of in the times like hey where's kevin bacon and like fred ward's character's life is basically hey where's kevin bacon mm-hmm. like that's a that's a neat bit of metatextuality that i think really works in the film's favor and kind of anchors it in this this comedic narrative of somebody who didn't grow to resent his standings but has reason to be frustrated and have a personal vendetta against these things that's that's very true i yeah. You have I, gone, I like, I just, that. I have no, like, you have just gone so much deeper into this movie than I ever would have in my entire life. And, like, I had now have a newfound appreciation for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, like, I had fun with Tremors, too, but he was just, like, so eloquently, just, like, off, like, off the top, just 
dives into this movie. And I mean, Monocle is one of the most thoughtful and I think like thoughtful writers and um, like culture critics out there. I think he has a really interesting perspective and I think he's really, really careful and good with his criticism. So it's, and he's mm-hmm. very well researched. So it was just really cool to get to like get into his brain that way and hear, hear about a movie that I wouldn't have thought about that with. And he has like, if you Same. plug in their site, Certified Forgotten, if you want more like their, their podcast and all the um, articles they run, if you want to look for some really awesome, like underseen horror cinema and why it's worth watching, that's, that's a, that is your destination for it. <laughs> plug in other people's Absolutely shit is. on our own anniversary podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I, I think we both did do an episode with them, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We did. So you should go listen to those episodes. Yeah, those are... I talk about, <laughs> I talk about found for, footage, motherfuckers. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And I talked about you on The Grudge. So good. And actually, so now for our next clip, we're going back to Black Christmas, but the original Black Christmas, um, we are... Which is funny, because <laughs> you had seen... 2019 Black Christmas before you saw yes. the original. I did. I did. Yes. Yes. And I'll kind of ask backwards. But this is our episode, episode 56 with Dean Capsalis, the director of The Swerve, which everyone should watch if you haven't, if you want to be sad oh my God. as fuck. Um, but this was my first time watching this movie. And I am now absolutely obsessed with this movie like i bought tail um tales from the stitches barb crochet doll like i it's everything so this was the episode where we talked about that and me talking about we went we talked about it a lot so i know you you trimmed it pretty you trimmed it pretty short but just about like the importance of black christmas as a proto slasher and the final girl mm-hmm. okay so this is the first time i ever saw this movie everybody and i my life has been changed forever and ever um holy shit this movie is fucking perfect um those were my initial reactions so i t- can verify can, those were the <laughs> i don't know why we're buffed my very professional journalistic opinion it's fucking perfect so in watching this and then i just like you know randomly tweeted like hey this is the first time i ever saw this movie i'm in shock and you know a lot of people said it's the first slasher and so i definitely see i have heard a lot about it being the first slasher so so then to me that means that jess is the first final girl she is like Mm. the original final girl and so this also this leads to like a very interesting line of thinking for me where it's like if she is the original final girl then how did we get to this idea that final girls are virginal and nerdy and like masculinized because that is not what jess is to me so i guess my thing with her is that like she is equal to i see her as equal to the other women there is a virginal character claire don't they call her the professional barb calls her the professional virgin she doesn't drink so she is like the archetypal archetypal typal (laughs) final girl like thing but just as our final girl and so what is really interesting to me is how did we all of a sudden get this trope that carol clover talks about when if this is the first slasher and she is the first final girl when she's none of she's not really any of those things and so this makes me thinking about the final girl evolution and also the idea that the final girl term is super flexible. I mean, I know it's just a trope, but it's a really important trope, like academically and looking at horror movies. But I think it's more than just the smart virgin that we've always talked about. I think it needs to be a term more thought about around trauma rather than like virginity. 
And this movie, I've, I've thought about that a lot recently, but this movie really solidified it for me where it's like, this is a final girl getting an abortion and being very, like, very confident in her decision and very confident about her body. And that's amazing. So why would we reduce the final girl to a virgin who is smart and is like shy and it looks reductive, but that's kind of what the final girl is. So taking her and making it more about trauma, I think makes it more fascinating to me. And this is what I've been thinking about all day. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I actually am kind of smart. A lot of times I would say, yeah, that was, um, was re-listening to that when I was, when I was pulling it, I was like, all right, Mary Beth, just drop that fucking mic. (laughs) I mean, don't because mics are expensive and don't ever do that. But I know figuratively. I I think about that all the time too because the Black Christmas is like one now one of my all time favorite horror movies, and I think it is just like every time I watch it, I get something. I get something out of it. I wrote last year about Barb's character as like a bisex, an important bisexual icon, and you know, reading into like you know the the reading into of characters that we do as queer people, and it's just. Such a fucking gorgeous movie. God damn. Yeah. So, and thanks. God damn. Yeah. So I'm glad that this podcast forced me to watch it. I mean, that's been one of my joys, honestly, as someone watching movies with you for a lot of times. I mean, recently it's been both of us, but a lot of times it's like your first watch and it's been kind of fun to see you experience those movies for the first time. And this was like, I was so excited for that conversation because I mean, Black Christmas is a fucking masterpiece. I don't know. It's, it's like one of those movies where it's like, you can't even like understand it until you watch it. And just like, mm-hmm. in the end, you just can't move. It's just so effort, effortlessly the way it is. And that's what I think is so amazing about it. And I think that's what's so hard to make, how it's like, why it's so hard to make like such a perfect horror movie. Because you have to be simple. And I feel like there's so yeah. people want to complicate horror a lot. And I understand that. But it's just when you keep it fucking simple, man. Jesus. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, I love another great moment, though, that like I loved was episode 61 with Nay Beaver. And she was talking about the first time that she saw the people under the stairs mm-hmm. and being in a family that would criticize anyone t- – they didn't want people talking about racism. And so she was talking about how um, she was watching it. And she had this idea that something was wrong, but she wasn't really allowed to critique it as being um, a racist thing. And then the clip is when she got a little older and she got the language and the ability to call out why the family at the center of this movie is so horrid. And we start talking about the family living in the house is sort of like this outward facing personality that kind of hides a, a rotting interior And uh, so that's kind of the lead into this clip. The message of that, of like having this outward facing, seemingly like heteronormative, perfect, like able-bodied, kind, nice, charming, uh, gives the cops coffee kind of vibe of people and wealthy and, 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 you know, so many people are led to believe that like, this is the ideal. This is what you should be. These are what good people are. This is, this is kind of like the standard we should all be reaching for. This is like, when we talk about respectability politics, like we're talking, Mm -hmm. we should try and be more like these people. And it's seen as this ideal and it's coupled with all of the privilege that not only comes from being these things already, but then the privilege of like, uh, 
confusing everyone into thinking that that's what we all should be and that's like what the right thing is and these motherfuckers are the worst like (laughs) they are garbage in every single way and I think of this often when when someone you know you're talking to them about like hey you know I didn't really care for what your dad said to me at your house the other day it was kind of racist or like sexist or something and they're like oh my god he's so nice he he didn't mean he didn't mean that like these are good people And you're like, okay, maybe to you they are, but like, you're actually not a good person if you're racist. Like, it doesn't matter like how nice your hair is done. And if you bring the cops coffee, like you're not a good fucking person. And I think that was part of, as a kid, when I talked about knowing that we weren't supposed to critique this, I think that that was a, a huge part of that. No, that was a really, and I was really glad that she came on to talk about that, that movie. Yeah. And it was just, it was a really good talk about a movie that, you know, Wes Craven is probably one of the few white directors that has actually handled topics of race as well as he did mm-hmm. in People Under the Stairs. That movie is so much more fucked up than I like I had expected it to be. Same. It's so fucked up. It's wild. That was the first watch for me, too. Oh, that's right. It was the first watch for you. Okay. Yeah. And and just having Nay's perspective on it was really... And she's just the fucking coolest. She's so cool. Regardless. So... I love her. Just having her talk about horror movies. Yeah. Just neat. All y'all are fucking neat and smart <laughs> and cool. It's just cool to know you. It's just so cool. All right, Mary Beth, we had to get oh, no. to the sad section. <laughs> this is like, so we wanted to sandwich the sad section between like some of the happier moments because um, we only have three uh, clips for, for this part, but um, we cry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's heavy metal to cry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this first one is from Brian Christopher's episode, episode 84, and we're talking about the never-ending story, and Mary Beth at this point, we both have actually been on the verge of tears for most of the discussion about this movie. And then we get to the part about Rockbiter and his failure to save his <laughs> friends from the nothing. And, um, well, we kind of have a hard time keeping it together. Uh, <laughs> so here we go. Oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna I'm like I keep feeling like I'm gonna cry talking about this. So obviously this movie had an impact on me <laughs> as we keep talking about it because I'm like getting very emotional. I am too. <laughs> oh boy. That moment where it's like, but he also is a stand-in for he's sort of the father figure of this group. He's the big he's the big guy, he's the protector, he's the one that is like larger than the rest of these almost kid size like mm-hmm. people, the the hob or the hot night hob and, and teeny weeny and stuff. And that thing, like you were saying, Brian, where they look like big, strong, big, good, strong hands, don't they? And then talking about how the nothing pulled them right out of his hands and he failed. It brought me back to like the father and this sort of like idea of what, of what the father figure or your parental units are supposed to be for your family, where they're supposed to keep you safe. And they failed. And I thought about that with the statement. And I never really saw it as a kid, but as an adult, it like really hit me hard last night. Yeah. And again, it's, it's introducing these concepts that are so deep for kids. Like we're talking about, you know, the death of your parents, but we're also talking about like the fallibility of your parents. Like Mm. your parents aren't perfect and they are going to fail you in certain ways. Mm. And how do you deal with that? You know, and that, that kind of realization is jarring, not just for the people who have been failed, but for the people, the person who has failed them. Yeah. So it's, it's bringing up some really heavy stuff. Right now, I'm just thinking about, like, thinking about as a kid, the way your parents... Oh, my God. Woo! Okay. <laughs> Are we going to actually get Mary Beth to, like, openly sob on this episode? That's... <laughs> you, 
it's getting closer and I closer. Was close. So like, <laughs> if you want me to start talking about my my familial problems, just kidding. No one wants that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is just like you think about us when you're a kid and when you rely on adults to protect you, even when like you're a teenager and the ways that they can't protect you and how you feel betrayed by that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they are they're not infallible human beings who can't. Oh, okay. I can't. Yeah. Uh. I'm 37 years old and I'm still navigating how to handle that. How do you navigate acknowledging and taking seriously the ways in which they failed you while also accepting them for what they still are? Yeah. Oh God. It's, it's not easy. It's, you know, it's always something that I'm like maybe figuring out in my late thirties, but it's, yeah, you still get tripped up. So I, I really like the ending of this, of this movie from a like meta textual standpoint where, you know, the, the childlike princess is telling our Atreyu, you know, that he, he being Bastion has suffered with you. He went through everything that you went through and that it kind of ties back into that. The, the kind of magicalness of reading and experiencing other people's stories through reading, because it's like, yeah, you know, these characters went through a lot of trauma, but so did you by reading through it and you survived it. Mm -hmm. And it brings back to that moment where Urgul says it has, it has to hurt if it's to heal. Oh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there are tears coming down my face and i have never cried during an episode and this movie that i said i didn't know if i liked i'm like openly crying (laughs) that was an emotional episode Uh sorry to reopen that when did when did we record that what was that date uh it was sometime in 21 i believe yeah you're right okay i'm just trying to be like what was happening to me when we recorded that episode. Where was I in my journey of realizing that I have abusive parents? <laughs> like, where was I there? Um, wow. Yeah, that. That was, um, that was a lot. That was a lot. I was not expecting. I like, I was expecting some tears. That was May of, of 2021. Okay. I was expecting some tears that episode, but um, I was not expecting to like be on the verge of tears throughout most of it. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Emotions. Yeah. <sighs> That's, that was right because it was funny because I was like, I don't even if I liked this movie, but now I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack mm-hmm. talking about parents. Well, I think that's I so. think that's interesting, though, is that, you know, you might not really have much of a reaction to a film and then you start actually talking about it. And then when yeah. people bring different perspectives to it, it like it makes you appreciate it in a different way to the point that like it starts to make you cry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you cried again. Well, you were actually, you cried before this. Yeah, this was before. This was before. But it's only fair that we talk about it because this was an episode that, like, I ended up having to stop talking for a minute and Mary Beth bravely carried on um, in an almost, like, in my mind, well, I'll play the clip and then I'll, I'll explain in my mind what I was thinking of re- re-listening to this. But this was episode 64 when we talked about the best of 2020 and uh, my favorite film, Relic, and why that hit so hard. This movie, um, I mean, I, I think I talked about it a little bit when we did interview um, Natalie. But, like, I, I'm someone that comes from a family who has experienced dementia. My my grandmother mm-hmm. had it. I remember the first time that... She told us that some someone came into her um, apartment and hit her on the back of her head. 
Um, and that's not what happened. It's just, it was a moment of her brain shutting down and her falling and hurting herself and then realizing that she has dementia and then seeing it again in other people, other members of my family. It's this sort of like realization watching this movie of like what your potential future might look like. And the way that this film ends on such a note of these three generations of women really understanding and coming to grips with what is living beneath that horror is like, yeah, it, um, yeah, I cried so hard when I finished this movie. Um, and I'm getting teared up right now. I know. It's, I uh, say, I love you. <laughs> it's an emotional movie. And, it uh, is, though. But that's something special about it, that it makes you feel that, like, that strongly. And I think that's what's so crucial about horror and how horror is shifting in a trajectory like this. And don't be calling it elevated horror, because that's not <laughs> what we're saying here. No. Absolutely the fuck not. But it's this, the way that new filmmakers are approaching the usual topics of horror, but in a much more thoughtful way Yeah, that hits you differently. It's not just about scaring you, but it's about like reflecting on your own personal experiences and realizing how scary those experiences are and seeing yourself on screen. And I think your experience with Relic is a testament to this year's films and like what yeah. stuck out to us and films that really like got us and made us cry and hit us in spots that we probably didn't expect. But when I was listening back to that episode, um, I had the, cause I have to bring everything back to 30 rock. There's a gif that gets put around of like Liz lemon when she's really sick. And um, no, it's not that one. No, it's another, it's another moment from 30 rock. I have so many of them where um, she's like talking with her boyfriend and he like breaks down and she's not prepared for it. She's like, it okay. Don't be cry. <laughs> she's like petting him. <laughs> and I, I, that is the, that is the, the feeling I got uh, from this because like you gamely carried on while I was trying to fucking compose myself because I was a uh, uh, emotional wreck. <laughs> there, there. Don't be cry. I've got it. <laughs> Uh, and El and Tony are saying, <laughs> oh, God. you know, crying again, listening to these clips. And yeah, it's um, I don't know. It can be, it can be emotional. Like this, uh, I think when you're talking about things that you know scare you or scar you a lot, you know, there's going to be times where it's more than just jump scares or more than just you know something scary. It's something a bit more emotional down below. Yeah. Yeah, which leads to our next clip. <laughs> I promise this is our last one, Ooh, and we're going to be... It's our last sad one. <laughs> um, so this is from episode 123, where we interviewed Maddie Doe. And it is one of the best episodes we've ever recorded, but also one of our most unconventional episodes we've ever recorded. And least listened to, and, let's be honest, unfortunately. Least, yeah, which is really frustrating, because it's one of our best episodes because we talked to Maddie Doe about um Laos uh Lao, pardon me. Um about Lao and this movie that we watched, the um The Killing Fields. The Killing Fields, yeah. So we watched 
The Killing Fields was just very much based on a true story. And Maddie's family actually lived through this situation. And she brought this movie and we talked a lot about her family's history. And this was a movie that's not a horror movie, but it's a fucking horror movie because it's about the atrocities that people are capable of and that the United States government had a very big hand in. And we talk here not just about things that terrified us as kids, but also these very real conversations about death and human fears. So, yeah. And to kind of tee up this clip, she first saw this movie when her da- her parents had her watch this movie when she was four. And then she watched it again a few years later. And this clip is about her second time watching it um, with her father. I recall later in life, I was still a child. I don't know if we fucking owned it or what. Like, literally, I don't know. My, my father played it again. My mother couldn't watch it. And he sat my older brother and I down and he paused the film during traumatic moments, rewind, play it again and tell us, don't look away. Don't look away because this is what I went through. This is how people in Southeast Asia, we all went through this. We all encountered this. And you need to know your background and the trauma that we left behind. And you need to understand that your life in America was built on the backs of these people. Your dad yeah, was not fucking around, man. Holy my dad never fucked you guys. My dad's not. That's a, your dad was like, hey, you're going to appreciate what the fuck you yeah. have right the fuck now. And this movie is, yeah. oh my God. Oh my God. That just took my breath away. <laughs> and Good I Lord. do appreciate what I have, by the way. I think that the reason why I can be such a cowboy filmmaker, because like, I think you guys have probably seen like behind the scenes pictures of my film sets. They're wild, right? Like it's like 10 of us making a fucking movie in the jungle. And um, <laughs> and I think the reason why I can go through so much crazy shit and why I'm super resilient is because I realize that like nothing I will go through in my lifetime, I think, I hope, will ever even hold a candle to what, you know, Dipan in Cambodia. Um, what he went through or what even my parents went through, which my parents didn't go through a massive genocide like that because Lao didn't have a genocide as bad as that. We had, a, we had a large brain drain. We had a large persecution era, which we'll talk about because it's part of the trauma of this film and my father reminding me. Um, but imagine being a child under 10 years old and there's a scene when they're still in, in the city they're still in Phnom Penh and all the journalists are being rounded up and they see the Khmer Rouge starting to come into the city and being celebrated. And they see like these other guys, these other militants or soldiers being kicked over and shot in front of them on the street. Meanwhile, you know, um, Pran is like telling the journalists, get in the car, let's go, let's go. And you just hear off screen the shots three times. And you know that all three of those guys that they had on their knees the same time as a journalist got shot. And my dad pauses the film and he says, I was walking around being Den as a young boy and I was wearing bell-bottom pants and like the like leisure suit Larry outfit because that was what was popular back then, right? In the 70s. And I um, remember a soldier who was like not much older than me, young, kicking me over and holding a gun to my face and questioning me because I seemed too Western because I was wearing like, 
what I thought was like the coolest shit clothes ever. You know, he was out acting like a peacock, like, yeah, I'm so awesome. Look at me in my bell bottoms. And then he got accosted and assaulted by the soldier and put in his place for being too Western. And I was just like, oh my God, my dad could have been shot. My dad could have been shot like these dudes. And how do you process that as a child? It just scars you. And that episode as a whole was like emotional because, uh, I mean, as EL is pointing out in chat, um, if I remember correctly, Maddie Doe's uh, dog passed away shortly before we recorded and yeah. she was kind of an emotional wreck and she was talking about it. And then I started reminiscing about my cat that I lost that was near and dear to my heart and um, just a lot. There's a lot going on. We cried a lot about pet death yeah. in that episode, like way more than I had anticipated. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Uh, yep. <laughs> Don't want to think about it. No. I hate it. Yeah, me too. Disgusting. But enough with the sad stuff. Like, we just wanted to, like, point out that, you know, not everything <laughs> on the episode is is just, you know, about fun. There are some very... Uh, emotional and, and hard-hitting conversations that we have. Yeah. Um, but on to the fun things. Now this first clip. Silly. Speaking of fathers, uh, this first <laughs> clip, episode 44 with Amy Simons, which is honestly one of my favorite episodes just because she was an absolute riot to record with. I wish we had had more time to record so with her. fucking funny. Uh, I d- was not expecting her to have such a sardonic dark sense of humor although i should have watching her movies but like i wasn't ready and so we'd been talking about her first movie sun don't shine and she was recording it while she was dealing with denial of death because she was taking care of her dad knowing that he was going to pass away soon and she wasn't ready for it and we transitioned from that to talking about she dies tomorrow which has this, this plot point about one of the characters talking about kind of what to do with her remains after she dies. And then Amy just surprises the fuck out of us with this. People have to deal with that. It's, really. a, it's, a, it's a real question that yeah. you probably don't think about a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do with the remains? Yeah. I mean, I did when my dad passed away, but and the, the, again, yeah. again, like I was like trying to convince my sister that um, we should make him into fireworks. And like, she was like, no, and I was like, why not? Why not? Like, what, what else are we going to do? You know, like, holy shit. Wait, I never, oh my God, you can make someone into fireworks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she like, mm-hmm. That's actually, I, I, mean, I would love that. to, that's actually so fun. It's like a celebration. A it's that's exciting. Well, also, yeah, because I thought, and it's also sentimental. I can't believe she didn't go. We, we actually might be able to still do it. Maybe she'll go for it now that it, there's time has passed. But it's also like, <laughs> That's the other sorry, dark I'm thing. Sorry. By the way, by the way, the other dark thing. This is so terrible, and I and I. This is actually a very common thing, but that I that I learned um, is that so my dad's ashes are still with us, um, and I say when I say with us, I mean at my mother's house, house who is his ex wife of thirty seven years. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> So he's in my mom's closet right now. <laughs> in the closet. Like, yeah. And, and it's like every time I come home, like to, to visit my mom, she's like, can we get rid of him? 
Um, sorry, my mom is wonderful, but like, but she's like, can we get rid of him? And I'm like, oh, I really don't want to right now. I'm having a good time. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the right. last, yes. the last thing that I want to do. Like, so like, it, just a word of advice is like, if you're gonna get rid of the ashes, like, do it really soon after the funeral because yeah. you don't want to revisit it. Right. Um, lingering in your closet. In my, yeah. Well, in my mom's. If it was I my closet, I probably would do something. But since it's my mother's, I don't. Um, yeah. Well, but maybe we can. Now I'm just realizing maybe we can make them into fireworks now. <laughs> it's the oh. best thing I've ever listened to. I forgot how fucking funny that was. <laughs> Before this, she's like, she's shooting things off. And there's a moment where like, she stops and we're paused. We're like, what are we even saying? She's like, are you still with me? (laughs) (laughs) She was like, keep up, motherfuckers. And I was like, okay, sorry. (laughs) uh, Man, she's fucking. I would love to talk with her again. She was, she was great. She is so fucking clever and sharp. Uh, she's just fucking smart, man. And she's really uh, talented. Her She Dies Tomorrow, if you haven't seen it. Please. It's so good. It was one of the best it's movies so of the year. Good. It's just, oh my god. Amy Simons has just like such an incredible sense for like weird storytelling. Anyway. I'd also really recommend watching Sun Don't Shine, her first film, which yes. I watched right before we recorded. And I, I was like, oh, this that. is... It's good. Like she dies tomorrow is better, but like it is good. You can she started off very strong with that film, and I really liked watching it and then having the discussion about how this the idea of the denial of death because it yeah. kind of retextualized what I had just seen in a much more interesting way. Uh, yeah, she was she was an utter delight. She was an utter delight. Amy, come back on our yeah. podcast challenge. Anywho. Um, and now all I ever think about when, like, my friend's parent passed away recently, yeah, I thought about the episode of <laughs> I had never, that thought had never crossed my mind. No. And then the movie also, she gets, she asks if she can be made into a leather jacket. And so now I think about being made into a leather jacket a lot. Um, so take that as you will. Anywho. <laughs> Um, the next epi- uh, the next clip oh is from our my favorite episode because it's the one where I, uh, me and Greg Mucci fight Terry about The Shining. <laughs> this is a pretty early episode, episode twenty seven. Uh, and Terry, you can tee up the clip, but it's like this whole entire episode was just beefing with Terry. It was so uh-huh. funny. It was incredible. So the, epi- the 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 clip that I, I picked out for this was we were talking about Dr. Sleep and The Shining and discussing how uh, it kind of they incorporate young Danny into older Danny. And we started talking about how well Dr. Sleep uses the woman in room 237. And uh, we get into some more spicy territory. This whole episode is spicy. I think Dr. Sleep, it, it uses the uh, woman from 237 incredibly well because for me watching that at such a young age and you know always envisioning her behind a random shower curtain it's like she's not in the movie anymore she's in my bathroom and in dr sleep like she's not at the overlook anymore she's in my bathroom and it's like i Mm -hmm. sort of felt like a relatable 
fear with Danny. And it was like, sort of like, you know, your, your, your trauma never stays put. Like it's always, it's always with you. And I like that, that hit me really well with Dr. Sleep. And I I think it works as a great sequel. It's, I think, let me, okay, (laughs) let me pause this really quick because (laughs) what I want to say, the other, the other important context about this is that one of my complaints about, um, the shining <laughs> is that there's like no character growth. Like Jack Nicholson's character starts the, the movie incredibly on the edge of insanity. And then just is that one note through the entire movie. And so that was my, one of my big complaints about that movie. So I just wanted to bring that up before we get into this next part. <laughs> I think in some ways it's a better movie than the shining. Cause it actually gives its characters a career trajectory. <laughs> Because wow. like you just talked about Danny having an actual character arc, and I just don't. It's true. I don't. I don't. Look, again, I don't. I just don't see it. What did you give Doctor Sleep, Terry? What's what that? Did you actually give? Because I know you. You don't have a single rating for Doctor Sleep. Uh, no, I don't. Um, you know, it's one of those. I when I saw it in the theater, I was I loved it up until the part where he tries to go into the, the movie the shining <laughs> um and at that point i was like oh i'm over this movie okay um <laughs> and then i watched it uh i watched the director's cut right after i watched uh the shining to prep and it um i think the director's cut is a really good film um i think it's I, better oh it's much better it's i mean it doesn't even for the three hour long runtime i don't i don't feel it yeah. unlike Shining. Um, uh, so, what was that? What was that? First off, Speak it's up. 144 minutes. Don't even. <laughs> Man, you got some people gunning for you. I know I do. I know I do. If it wasn't for this, it was for my, my thoughts on The Exorcist. So uh, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, want to go there. Let's not. <laughs> Eddie L says is this when Terry first started getting bullied. And yes, I do believe it started in episode 27. What do you got to say, Mary Beth? Absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> I still haven't seen Dr. Sleep, motherfucker. <laughs> oh. Steve and I keep wanting to watch it. And then it's too long. And then we watched It Chapter 2 instead, which is longer. <laughs> I truly cannot give you any reason other than, oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, I have had some spicy hot takes on this show. Um, between that and The Exorcist, I'm sure there's more that I'm just not thinking off the top of my head. But um, yeah, that was one. Uh, that was one spicy episode. That was a spicy episode. So yeah, that's episode 27. If you guys want to go back and listen, because it's just bully Terry hour. It really is. It's it's not okay. <laughs> it's it's but it's fun. It's not like it's fun. It's, it's not, not mean. like mean confrontational like talking down. Like I know that some podcasts have that problem sometimes, and that's not shade to anybody to anyone that we know. It's just like in general podcasts. Mm-hmm. But I, whenever with bully Terry, it's out of love. It's not out of like actual like anger or like. What the fuck? But out of just like, it's funny to be an asshole. I don't know. That makes me sound like a terrible person. (laughs) I'm the victim here. (laughs) (laughs) Words have meaning, Mary Beth. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Another favorite moment from an episode, though, is episode 87, when Sapphire Sandalo came on the show. And she was talking about the movie Dolls, and she sets up the story about the first time she was forced to watch Dolls, 
and we talk about her babysitter, Melody. Let me. <laughs> it's so bad. So I was, I think, four or five. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, no. But yeah. So uh, it was me and my sister. My sister's like a year older than me. We were, we had a babysitter named Melody. Melody, if you're still out there, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> fucking Melody. Fuck Melody. So she was the fucking worst. Okay. She. <laughs> she was the fucking worst. So me and my sister are so small. We are so little. And yeah. she thought it would be hilarious to put on the movie dolls and <gasps> lock us in the room. So no. we were forced to watch it. And I can't remember if she like brought the VHS to our house and played it. I'm like, wait, how did how are we watching dolls? Like I don't remember like how that happened, but I remember so vividly she put it on and then she ran out of the door and locked it. And me and my sister were like, ah! we started screaming and we were like banging on the door to let us out. And she wouldn't let us out. Oh so, but here's the thing. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember at what point she did eventually let us out. And I don't know if I just blocked out everything <laughs> from this movie. So like rewatching it, there were certain things. I like vaguely remember and I'm like, oh, wow, did she really lock us in there the whole time? But uh, yeah, so that was uh, my experience with dolls. And after she let us out, I called my mom and I was like, I told her what happened and my mom immediately came home and fired her. Oh, okay. I was like, please tell me that she never babysat you ever again. Was that the first time she had babysat you? Um, it might've been, I, here's the thing. There were, I know that there were multiple days because there was another, again, she's the worst. There there was another day where she locked me outside in the backyard because she thought it was funny. (laughs) And then like, what the fuck is wrong with her? Yeah. She's, she's psychotic. So, and like our sliding door to the backyard is clear. So I'm like looking through my sister's right there and like, she's, she's too weak to like open the door. And then Melanie's like, no, 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 no. Back away from the door. Like she thought it was so funny. And I was just like, let me in. What the fuck is happening? Wow. <laughs> oh my god. Fuck Melody. You, Melody. If you're listening right? to this, fuck you. Fuck you, Melody. Yeah, fuck you, Melody. Evil bitch. <laughs> I just cannot believe that. Like, we've had bad babysitting stories, but... That was the worst one. That was, like, the yeah. most outright malicious one. Like, not not being, like, not like a kid trying to be with, like, a boy or something, but, like, all that, like, just being really shitty to children. <laughs> Fuck you, Melody. Fuck you. Why did we ever, like, in what universe did we were like, yeah, cool, teenagers can watch our children while we go do things? <laughs> it, when did we, why did we ever decide that that was perhaps the correct thing to do? It beats me. I don't, and I did it for yeah, me a too. long time. Who put me, me in too. charge of baby anyway? I know. <laughs> what? Who thought that was a good idea? I mean. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> so I just started thinking about that. God, uh, no wonder we fuck got you, fucking traumatized. I just love that. Visitors. I know. Fuck you, Melody. Um, <laughs> the next episode is very, where clip is a very fun one because it is one of my favorite stories um, from 
our friend Jessica Rose. This is episode 14, where uh, we discover Jessica's greatest fear, which is animatronic dinosaurs. Yeah. And so um, she, this was like a very long section. So I, I snipped it, I snipped it down a bit so that it would be um, a better clip. But yeah, this, uh, I'm just, yeah, listen. This is ridiculous. And there's been so many instances that I just want to share with you where I tried to to face this, especially as I got in more into horror that I was like, this is so ridiculous. Like, so is it, is it dinosaurs or is it the animatronics? Okay. So I'm a very particular, <laughs> um, it's, there's a term for it because there's like, it's like there's, <laughs> there's dinophobia, but then there's ornithosalotophobia and okay. that's like a more specific phobia, I guess, of dinosaurs, but I go even deeper than that because this is how sick I am. I am terrified <laughs> to the core of animatronic dinosaurs. <laughs> like, it sounds so really? stupid. I'm, I am terrified of Jurassic Park specific dinosaurs. Yeah. So that was the first part. And then she gives us a practical example of this fear in place when she and her um, fiance to be and her family went to uh, Universal Studios and one of the big popular rides is the Jurassic Park ride. And she was so terrified about going on there. And so I asked her, I was like, so did you end up going on the ride? And she said no. And then so I take it you didn't go on that ride. <laughs> I did not. I had such a good one ride. cigarette that I packed because I knew I was not going on this ride. <laughs> and so, and Wait, you, even prepared, you even prepared for it with a cigarette. <laughs> God, poor Nick. And you know, that was Nick's first time in like Disney World and Universal Studios. And that's one of the biggest attractions there. And it I was is. like, it's you so know, good. It's, and it, I know it's good. I, I appreciate Jurassic Park for what it is <laughs> as much as I can. But I just was like, I feel bad. Do you want to go on it? And he was great. He was like, no, I'll wait with you. They had like an hour and a half wait. Oh. And so we, so we sat there and I'm smoking my cigarette and I'm thinking to myself, I was like, this guy just asked me to marry him. He respects me for being a strong woman. And I'm sitting here and my fingers are trembling with the cigarette that I can't even put in my mouth because you can hear the sounds. Like, I think that's what also gets me so bad is like the roaring and the, and the, like the, <laughs> like thumping just, I was, yeah. I, I don't, I've never had a panic attack or an anxiety attack. I, or if I have, I just powered through them, but that is as close as I could get. Later on in the episode, she talks about another occasion where she was on the set for Creep Show, and there's like a segment with like a sea monster or something, and it's an animatronic creature, and she was like having a panic attack because she was in a professional setting, and she didn't want to see the creature. Just <laughs> wild. I freaking forgot about the cigarette. Just the single shaking sh like cigarette outside of it's the ride. Small details. It's just so good. And she's got a kid now. <laughs> she's a baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just an absolutely incredible. Like one of those stories where you're like, this is a, there's no other story like this out there. And we get to uh -uh. talk about it. And it's really cool. It's that so we, specific. It's so specific. It's so specific. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, that was, oh, that was just so good. <laughs> uh, speaking about other things that are very specific, we also talked with Addison Peacock on episode 114, uh, where she and her Scarred for Life moment was dead silence. But she 
never saw the movie. She just saw the trailer for it and absolutely terrified her. And so she launched into the story about why it terrified her. Something about 12-year-old Addison that you should know is that, and this is like one of my weird like childhood things, is that I had, oh my God, it's fine. I haven't told this story in like its fullness on a podcast before. I can't wait. Um, when so I was honored. 12, I had like a not extensive, but not insignificant collection of marionette puppets. <laughs> marionette puppets? Why? Why? Um, there was this, there was this, okay, I'm from a small town in Virginia, and there's this part of my town, uh, that's like the old town mall, and it's like this, uh, kind of cobblestoned, like, street of, like, stores, uh, and, like, cafes and stuff. It's very cute. It's very, like, small town idyllic. But in the summers, or, like, in the, like, warm weather, there'd be people out there doing, like, street vendory things, and one of the people that around that period of time would have stuff to display and sell in the streets, there was this this person, this, this like woman who sold these like hand carved marionette puppets and I, and she would like demo them and you could buy them. <laughs> this sounds so not like a real thing. Yeah, this sounds like <laughs> the fucking beginning of a horror movie, Addison. I met yeah, this does, woman on the it? street who made hand carved marionettes and I bought one and it killed me uh, in my sleep. So- <laughs> and it killed me in, in my, my sleep. sleep. <laughs> I'm funny, huh? <laughs> you are. <laughs> I cannot fucking believe that she collected marionettes. Oh, that was... That's another incredible story where it's like... Oh, so you had a incredibly specific relationship to this movie because of a very niche interest because of where you live. Like, that is just so cool and fucking weird. So weird. Also... <laughs> I'm uh-huh. really glad she brought Dead Silence because that movie, that was a very fun discussion about a movie that is like definitely, again, the range we have in the podcast talking about the killing fields, the killing fields. and Dead Silence, <laughs> you know, Love as you range, do, as you do. Um, so getting even, <laughs> even sillier, this is from <laughs> episode 22 with Josh Anderson, where he came on to talk about, um, Wes Craven's new nightmare. And he kind of gave us a new term for the feelings. He sure did. For the feelings he experienced watching this movie. And he was terrified because it was set in the real world. And that was like the big thing for him. But here, that would, that, let's just tee you off on that. Here we go. Is thinking, holy crap, what if this could happen in the real world? What if Freddy's actually real and Wes Craven actually experienced this? And he's just, it's like a, a biography, an autobiography or whatever. So that kept that in mind. The closet scene where... Miss me. Yeah. Oh, see, I just got chills when you said that. <laughs> and with, like, not even chills, SPFs, which SPFs are um, scary butt feelings. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my God. Get, I got them scary butt feelings. Yes, when you get super scared and your butt just clenches and it, like, vibrates in a certain kind of way inside. Yep. Wow. Yep. Cool. Yeah, that's what that's what occurs. Hell yeah! But um, I, uh, <laughs> I I'm laughing because you would we were DMing back and forth about about or like and I don't think we were DMing. We were just replying back and forth, and you mentioned SBF or at, yeah SBF, right? Uh, yeah, and I was like. What is this? Is this something I should know? And so I googled it, and according to Urban Dictionary, it was okay. straight best friend. Nope, not straight best friend. And I was like, <laughs> hmm. 
I don't think that's what he means. (laughs) (laughs) Scary butt feelings. (laughs) Scary butt feelings. Oh, you know, when the inside of your butthole vibrates when you're scared. Yeah, scary butt feelings. (laughs) Scary butt feelings. Oh, my God. What an angel. Uh, An angel. Yeah. Love him. (laughs) Uh, And then these, these (laughs) these last few are just... Horny. Some of the more horny sexual moments of the uh, of the show, and we're starting it off um, on a more innocent note with uh, episode nineteen with Velisca Griffiths when she came on to talk about the secret of Nim, and we get on the subject of Don Bluth specifically, kind of the fact that he might have created a bunch of anthro anthropomorphic animal lovers with his animation of Robin Hood, and then we start talking about um, Justin the Rat. And well, the rest is history. Yeah, so when Mary Beth, it was so funny when you were tweeting last night, you're like <laughs> talking about how hot the rat is, and your your boyfriend's like, excuse me? <laughs> I was like dying because it's it's true. Where's he the lie? He literally came on screen. I was like, oh, it's the hot rat. Like I it just like it was ingrained rat. in my co- in like my subconscious <laughs> that Justin is the hot rat. And so many people agreed with me and came out about it and said that they felt the same way about him and Robin Hood. And I was like, I have found my pe- my people, my freaks. Yeah, I was reading all the responses to your tweet. They're just like, you're talking about Justin? <laughs> and I'm like, thank you for knowing exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> Wait, so wh- why why do we think he's attractive? Like, wh- can we dig into this? Like, why? What is it? What is it about him? He, he has a- very good posture. <laughs> You were ready. You're like, I know exactly why he's hot. And it is his posture. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pulling up a picture because I honestly, I think it's his face. His face to me is like, it. he has... <laughs> I can't he's believe got that talking. face. He has, he has like, a good voice too, though. He, he does, does have, have a really good voice. Good voice. Yeah. He has a good smile. Mm. His eyes are just so I like... stars in my eyes. I don't know. <laughs> animated. Okay, now I'm also pulling up a me picture too. so I me- can check out his shoulder. <laughs> oh my god, Every- I love a good shoulder. And he just like he has, he's a little goofy. He's self-effacing, which yeah. is nice. Yes, and he's he's like he's so <laughs> he's boy. This is really ex- exposing some of my uh, <laughs> kinks. He's so tall, especially when he's standing next to uh, um, Mrs. Brisby. So, and he can wear a tunic. So yes, is, he can. Is, is the implication here that somehow he and Mrs. Brisby hook up? Did you I read- mean, I hope so. I'm shipping them. Okay, cool. I was like, am I the only one that was like, not like reading between the lines of that and being like, cool, interspecies love. We can make it work. Well, yeah. I also just really wanted him and Jenner to fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. There was a lot of tension there, though. <laughs> I feel like if they just like... <laughs> this is oh, no longer a horror podcast. <laughs> God, that's... New podcast idea, just talking about sexy cartoon characters. Sexy cartoon characters. We've we've had a lot on the we podcast. We have talked about a lot of sexy cartoon characters. And it makes me feel seen that I'm not the only one that had a sexual awakening to cartoon characters. Danny Phantom awoke oh. something inside of Robin my body. <laughs> Robin Hood. And I forget who we were talking oh. to recently where he was saying Maid Marian. And I was like, yes, Robin Hood for me. I, I forgot who it was, but... It was some uh, guy we were talking to recently that was talking about Maid Marian from the Robin Hood movie. And I'm like, yeah. Wild. Um, so to up the ante <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to this next one. 
Oh, God. <laughs> Tell us about it, Terry, because you're the one that brought this upon uh, us all. I sure as fuck did. This was, um, oh boy. This was episode 12, the end of the decade, where we had Molly and Jessica on uh, to talk about the best films of the uh, the decade. And I don't remember exactly why Adam Scott came up, but Adam Scott came up and it triggered a memory for me of watching him in an HBO show called Tell Me You Lovely, in which, well, um, he gets pleasured. And... <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm just gonna play the clip. Hey, right, I'm putting it in. That's what she said. It's graphic. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, and I'm sharing a GIF. I should put that out. I'm like, we talk about this GIF that's out there. And I was like, I found a GIF of it. And so I find it and I share it in Twitter DMs. That is the other key point. I'm just dreading the three dots. It takes a little oh, bit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I told you. That has to be a prosthetic. Yeah. I... It is. It is a process. No. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> oh my god. This was on HBO. Wow. That's straight up porn. It doesn't, graphic. and it doesn't show him ending. Like no. it. Um. It actually. Oh my god. She's like. She's like very aggressive looking at that penis. I don't think I've ever like, looked that aggressively at a penis during a hand. No. Before, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but if I did, the lights were. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're like i'm a uh, there you go <laughs> okay back on track. this is where i was like oh i love adam <laughs> <laughs> so uh, okay it's oh so my god hypnotic. so yeah <laughs> I can't stop looking up. I know, me neither. I actually clicked it so I could see it because I can't see anymore. I can't see it all. And then it went full screen. On the <laughs> oh, my God. What I love is that Mary Beth is trying so hard to get us back on, on top. She's like, okay. So, and you're just like staring at this repeating gif of, of Adam Scott's wife on the show just literally giving him a handy... And they left nothing to the imagination with this prosthetic uh, penis that she was staring at quite aggressively, as Mary Beth said. Uh, I don't know if I have it anymore, Tony. I'll see if I can find the gif, and if I do, I'll send it to you. It's um, it's a lot. What's the show called again? It's Tell Me You Love Me. Tell Me You Love Me. Okay, well. And then, escalating it a little bit more... um, we have two more clips to share you share with you. And the first one is from episode 76 with Adrian Torres. We were talking about society and in particular the shunting and about how the family raised the adopted bill and raised him for the shunting and along the way we kind of go deep on shunting, squelching and um lube. That's an awful lot of work to adopt someone and raise them to be 18 and then feast on them. And like, that just, that seems like at some point the, the return on investment is just really out of whack. You've never They're shunted. Like, oh, I mean, <laughs> this is also very true. Okay, Terry, this means that you have a decision to make in 2021. You either have to shunt for the first time or watch Ginger Snaps. Uh, Ginger Snaps it oh. is. Good point. This brought back the fact that I still have not, I've still have not seen Ginger Snaps. You still Moving haven't on. seen Ginger? So to say, Terry, your birthday's this week, so, of the week we're recording this, so get to shunting. 
<laughs> no, I I will I will take oh, time God. off of work no. and, and go watch uh, Ginger Snaps. <laughs> Terry, spoiler alert: he did not birthday shunting. Oh God! Oh God! Oh, shunt till you're forty. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You talked about you were joking about it. Forty. You. I'm sorry. I'm gonna stop now. Just the images. <laughs> the the most frightening it- image for me though was the image of Judge Carter with the cigar in his mouth. The full on image of him like m- walking towards the camera, and it's like oh, he's so sweaty ugh. and so gross and so covered in lube that it is just it is that moment like when i was watching this last night i was like oh this is like more upsetting to me than anything else just the leering look on his face as he is covered in like slick (laughs) what's that room smell like you think oh i don't want to know either what it smelled like in the movie or what it smelled like to film it i can't yeah i was gonna say uh, either either one just. I think the worst thing about this watch was uh, having captions on when I was watching it <gasps> and squelching. Uh, oh, oh t- don't! Oh, don't say it. <laughs> Everything was squelching. <laughs> but if you if you're over or over under on how many times you use squelching in closed captions for a film is over twenty five, that's. That's too much. That's way squelched. too much. Everything squelched. Wow. Walking wow. down the street, squelching. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you, well, I mean, it's Twitter, so I don't know how much better it is. There's probably a lot of squelching going on there too. I'm sure oh, there is. Jesus! Every day they're it's... squelching. Oh, it's Terry, why? <laughs> Every day I'm squelching. That doesn't fit very well, but oh. sorry. Now, now I'm going to have nightmares about those hamsters from the commercials no, in the shunting. No. Oh God, in those, uh, in those in cars, those shunting Kias. hamsters. No, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Adrian. So, it's, yo, it's, you're at guys, yo, I'm sorry. I think this is the grossest episode we've ever done. I think. <laughs> I think it might be the grossest one. Quite possibly. Yeah. I don't think anything topped that one. I'm going to make a t-shirt that say Terry's 40th birthday shunting bash. (laughs) And everyone has to wear them at my wedding. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck. Man, this opportunity to call it the shunt to have my wedding just be the shunting. Oh, my God. (laughs) Actually, wait, it's not too late. (laughs) Welcome to the shunting. Everyone's handed a bottle of lube when they come in to just douse themselves. Oh my god. Oh my god. I think my mom would really love <laughs> Your mom would. Oh. 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 <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. So, our last clip. Uh, this is it, guys. This is it. This is the final clip. This is from Little Cuts 83. It's everyone's favorite moment, I'm pretty sure. It's a discussion of Pretty Little Liars, Original Sin. So, um... That's all I'm going to tell you. Uh, the filmmakers, uh, the, well, the showrunners um, used to write for um, Riverdale and Sabrina. So if you're looking for a kind oh, of like expectation, okay. this is like a more, when I say adult, I mean more like there's a lot of nudity and sex and language and there's butts and peepees and, and curse words. <laughs> Did you 
I sure as fuck did. <laughs> Butts and peepees. I think I know what the episode title is going to be. I'm an adult. Here we are. <clears throat> You're an adult. I'm the one that said peepees. Instead of penises or dicks or cocks or anything, I decided I, I just, peepees. I and like you've said, and like you've said all of those words I on sure this podcast before. It's but today they're peepees. <laughs> oh, I just imagine, can you imagine getting into it with something like, "Oh yeah, give me that peepee." <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's Pretty Little Liars Original Sin. <laughs> and, and if you want to know more about it, including, I have not said in my recaps review PP yet, but if you want to learn more about it, I am covering it with friend of the show and former guest Joe Lipset, like we do, um, between his and my site. So if you are following, if you're watching it, follow along with us. And don't hold it against me that I just said PP. <laughs> uh, getting away from that, though, let's try to salvage this conversation. No. I want to hear about extreme horror. <laughs> um, there are butts and peepees in this one, but it's not funny. Um, <laughs> it's not funny at all. It is now. And that was a uh, megalomaniac, yes! I think, or megalomania, or whatever. <laughs> At one point, I was just kept saying PP because it was getting such a reaction. Even oh. to my wheeze. <laughs> you know, oh my god, it's like a puking dog. <laughs> oh. oh fuck. Oh my god. <sighs> three years, y'all. Oh, what an incredible three years, I will say. Oh my god. We've laughed. We've cried. We've, cried. we've wheezed. Laughed some more. <laughs> Screamed. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, it's got horny on main thanks. Yes, Tony. Well, Thank you guys so much for being with us for three years and for sharing favorite moments and for the people in the chat. So this live part, it's, you know, it's been a great three years and we have, we don't have any plans to stop it. So here's the three more years of incredible interviews and goofy ass jokes and cats being disruptive. And <laughs> I don't hope for surprise spiders, but I like the stories that happen with surprise spiders. So, like, I don't want to put that on you, but I also like, yeah. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. So listeners, you have listened to us talk about, our favorite moments of the show, whether sad, silly, or really moving. Let us know what your favorites were. I know some of you already have, but if there's more, maybe a favorite episode, let us know uh, via email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MV McAndrews. And I'm the Gaily Dreadful. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And um, thank you so much to our patrons that are, are helping uh fund this little experiment so we appreciate you thank you 
Thank you to Eric Carr for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening and or watching. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time, keep squelching. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.